Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. Matthew, chapter 12. And I want to pick up from this morning, reiterate a few points and then take it further. We're talking about why some people don't receive their healing. And we're endeavoring to give some reasons as to why, believing that as we point out specific reasons why people don't receive from God, we can make adjustment in our lives and make the right connections and then hook up with God in a greater and more perfect way, enabling us to receive our needs met from the Lord. Before we study God's Word, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give thanks to You for this privilege tonight, and we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide. We give our ears to hear, hearts to receive, and minds to know and understand the truth that makes us free. And Father, I'm asking that You think through my thoughts and speak through my lips and make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer, that I may boldly proclaim the truth and the power of the Spirit, that our faith would not stand in men's wisdom, but in the power of the living God and resurrected Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I've been emphasizing during this particular study that if something doesn't work, usually you don't throw it away. You get it fixed. If uh, you, you, you find out in your home that your electrical outlet is not working, you don't sell the house or burn the house down or anything like that. You normally just get it fixed. If you turn on the water faucet and no water com comes out, you don't say, honey, we've got to sell the house or get rid of it and that sort of thing, you, you know there's a problem, right? And so you get it fixed. And usually, you know, if uh, you're driving down the street and all of a sudden you hear this crazy noise, like rubber, you know, just smacking against the street and all kinds of crazy things, you don't get rid of the car because you have a flat tire. You kind of fix it, right? Because we know that things should work a certain way. And when you know, for example, the laws that pertain to electrical flow and that sort of thing, then you know that even though maybe the light's not going on or not working right, all you've got to do is either fix the switch, get a new switch, connect wires, and that sort of thing, right? Because you know it's supposed to work. Well, when it comes to prayer and receiving from the Lord, our needs met, especially when it comes to things that He has promised, if it's not working in our lives, then instead of giving up on the whole thing and just forgetting about it, we should see to it that we find out where the problem could possibly be and get it fixed. Amen? That's how it should be. But see, too often that doesn't happen. Many just go ahead and give up and forget about it and move on to something else and don't even take the time to find out why things aren't working. Well, if we know that prayer works, if we know that faith works, if we know that God wants us well, if He wants us delivered and set free, then we understand that if we will line up with what the Word of God teaches and says and get things the way God wants them to be, then it should work. Amen? Okay, so first of all, very quickly, we said a lack of knowledge is a big problem. If people don't know enough about the Word of God, they're not going to be helped like God wants to help them. My people perish for what? Lack of knowledge. We also said, number two, community unbelief also will keep people from receiving from the Lord. 
And if you're around a lot of people that are very negative when it comes to their physical well-being and, you know, you find yourself filled with all that doubt and unbelief, it's going to be hard for you to rise up above all that and make connection with God and get free. And so we want to avoid these things. In Mark 11:23, we had talked about it's what a person believes in his heart. And usually we believe the things that we've been taught from a young person growing up. And if we've been taught the wrong things, then until we get those things out and make the right adjustments and connect the right wires, so to speak, we're not going to be able to receive from God. And that's why many, you know, don't receive their healing. There are those who have been taught and believe that God makes people sick and God wants them sick. And as long as they believe God made them sick and God wants them sick, then obviously it's going to be hard to get them free until we, you know, make that distinction and show them from the Word of God that that's not what God wants for their lives. We've got to work on that. We've got to make the adjustments. Also, some have been taught that it glorifies God when they're sick. And if they really believe with all their hearts that their sickness glorifies God, you know, then um, there's not much you can do to help them get well. And you can pray for them to get well, but if they really believe with all their hearts that their sickness is glorifying God and they need to maintain that, then it's going to be difficult to get those people free. And so if a person believes that way, that person has to change that kind of belief and start believing that it doesn't glorify God. What glorifies God is healing and health. If you read the Bible properly, you'll find out that God gets glory when people are healed and set free. When they were healed, the Bible says they glorified God. Amen. And, and then we said that it's, uh, people have been taught that it's not God's will to heal everybody. And if that's the case, then as a result, we need special revelation from God to find out which ones God wants to heal. And until a person makes that adjustment in their life, once again, they're going to block God's healing power. Because invariably, they're always the one that God wasn't willing to heal. And there are many other things, such as uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh. We talked about that a little bit. Some people think that they've got Paul's thorn. And uh, his thorn, basically, you know, was a messenger from Satan sent to buffet him. And the messenger was annoying him. And that's what the expression, a thorn in the flesh, means. Annoying him. Just like we would say something like this today. You know, it's a pain in the neck. And that basically means it's annoying me. It doesn't mean you have a literal pain in your neck. You know. So, uh, other things that we need to learn is that a person can prevent healing if they violate natural laws. Laws that pertain to health. Such as not getting enough rest. Maybe an improper diet. Things like that. Epaphroditus worked himself practically to death to support the Apostle Paul because of the people's lack of giving. And so he overworked himself and was sick nine to death, but God had mercy on him. And if it were not for God's mercy, he probably would have died. And so it's not even right to overwork ourselves for the gospel's sake, as the Scriptures teach. But yet, though, you know, very often will be those that just still won't listen and still continue to, let's say, abuse their physical bodies and then wonder why that healing doesn't come so quickly. And in addition to that, may I state, state this? The human body was not made to handle stress and emotional difficulties and problems. And that's why the Lord spoke to us and said, cast all your cares upon me. And it doesn't do us any good to worry about anything. Really, we should be worry-free people, but that's not always the case. And we've got to do something about that. We can't violate that law of God because if we try to handle our own problems by ourselves, then our emotional problems and difficulties are going to rise to the place where we can't handle that kind of stress upon our lives and we're going to cave in and fall victim to those powers arrayed against us. 
And so we don't want to violate that. We want to see to it that we learn to cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us. Then we have talked about another reason why many fail to receive healing from the Lord is because in some cases, and remember I'm saying in some cases, not all cases, in some cases there, there is the presence of a demon force or power behind the sickness or the disease. And as a result, unless uh, someone deals with that power, that demonic influence will continue to enforce sickness and disease in that person's body or in that person's mind. And that means it could be a, a mental thing as well as a physical thing. And so, in the case of the woman who was bowed over for 18 years in Luke 13, she had a spirit of infirmity. There was a literal spirit behind that sickness enforcing it in her life. And once again, I, I think I want to emphasize this once again this evening, that... If it were true, and it was because the Bible says it was, that a spirit of infirmity was causing her to have rheumatoid arthritis, it didn't matter what medication she took, and it didn't matter what surgical procedure that man could come up with, this woman would never get healed because her problem was not physical. The source, I should say, of her problem was not physical. And therefore, it couldn't be dealt with physically. Can you see that? It had to be dealt with spiritually. The demon had to be cast out. And once it was cast out of her body, then she stood straight up and she was made instantly whole. And so once again, some don't receive healing because of not understanding certain things about demon spirits and how they operate and then not really taking the authority that God has given us to deal with those demon powers. And you know, beloved, we're told to deal with these demon powers. We don't ask God to do it. We have to do it because He said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, that's also true in an emotional sense if it's true in a physical sense. In other words, if we don't do something about the devil influencing our thought patterns and, and, and our minds, then we're not going to experience the freedom that God wants us to experience in the emotional realm of our lives. In other words, emotional healing does come from the Lord. Only He can heal the broken heart and bind up every wound. But in order to maintain that particular type of deliverance and healing in our lives, we have got to do something about that. We have got to resist the forces that will come against us and inject you know, thoughts into our minds that would suggest that we do certain things like worry and you know, remain frustrated and, and, and upset about all kinds of things. And basically, that's what we had talked about last. And I want to reiterate again a few points because they're so important. Demon spirits speak. We saw that in Matthew 8:29. They say things. We have to be aware of that. They are intelligent beings. They know their time is short and they know they have a right to reign and rule over people's lives on this earth until that time comes that is, those who are not in the kingdom of God. And so they know that there's going to come a time that they're going to be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. And so right now, they're just finding expression in this life the best way they know how. And that is through the lives of individual people. And I want you to know that a demon or a devil will take anything it can get. Anything. They'll even plea bargain like they did with Jesus Christ. When Jesus was before the madman we call him of Gadara, we find that he went and worshipped Jesus. Basically, he was afraid of Jesus. 
And he did not want to surrender his place of occupancy. And that's exactly how they operate. Once they find a comfort, comfortable setting, they want to remain there. Notice that woman was bowed over with the spirit of infirmity 18 years. He was well satisfied with her abode. Wanted to stay there. Wanted to stay there and enforce that sickness and that disease in that woman's body until finally she died. And then would have to go and find another house or a dwelling place. See, they don't like to move a lot. They're comfortable in one place and they like to stay there. I guess they just get used to it. And you know, it's a sad thing, but sometimes they, they know us better than we know ourselves. If we're not careful. Suggesting that we do certain things knowing that we're going to yield to them. Well, I know we don't like to hear that kind of thing, but you know what? We have to speak the truth. Demon spirits can speak into people's ears and tell them to do certain things. We illustrated that this morning. And we've got to recognize that. We have got to be able to recognize that so that we can cast down thoughts and imaginations so that we don't have emotional problems in our lives. Now, I want you to see a truth that Jesus revealed here that is a very important truth in the Word of God with regard to demon powers and their influences over people's lives. Again, I said it this morning, I'll say it again. It's so important. In Matthew 12 and 43, uh, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I guess they talk to themselves, I will return into my house. I want, to under, I want you to underline that in your Bible or highlight it, circle it, whatever you do. Notice, my house. He's calling that person's house, his body, his house. I will return into my house from whence I came out. This is what they do. This is how they operate. And when he is come, he findeth it. Notice, he comes back to the person he was cast out of, whether it be spirit, soul, or body. He goes back to the person, finding it empty, swept, and garnished. In other words, the person did nothing to fill his life up with the good things of God. Maybe he didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost. Let's start from the very beginning. Maybe he didn't get saved, number one. Maybe he didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost, number two. And then begin pursuing the things in the Word of God. And as a result of not filling himself up with good things, he comes back and discovers that and says, well, it's empty, swept, and garnished. There's no one else, you know, nothing else in there to keep me out. But does he go in by himself right away? No. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also under this wicked generation. Here Jesus reveals a truth that we all have got to be aware of. You know, there's a teaching uh, along the lines of faith that says that once you've been delivered or set free from something, be careful about a counterattack. Sometimes we get so caught up in thanking and praising God and we should thank and praise God for our victories in life, you know, that we're not mindful of the fact that the enemy could come back and try to attack us with a counterattack. And some people think, oh, this, uh, this, this language that you faith people speak is, is bizarre and it's crazy and all that. But wait a minute. Jesus taught this principle. And it's a very important principle, especially along the lines of physical or emotional sickness and disease. Because once you take authority, let's say, over a condition in the body or even of the soul, 
And then thank God for the victory that we have right now, the release, the pain is gone, or the, the emotional pressure. You know you can sense and feel emotional pressure, right? And when it's released, it's like a, the weight of the world has been lifted from your shoulders. Well, we have to be aware of the fact that the enemy will do this. We'll leave that person, but not be satisfied because it likes that dwelling place. It's grown accustomed to that place. It will go into dry places seeking rest, finding none, and then come back with a counterattack to try to get back into that person's either mind or body once again. If you're a child of God, he won't and can't possess your spirit. But we'll try to get back into a person's mind or body. So a counterattack is something that does take place, and the pain might come back in the same spot that you had it once before, when after prayer you received deliverance and you felt no more pain. But all of a sudden, maybe a week later, you find it coming back upon yourself again. We have to recognize this principle and remember what Jesus said and then learn to do something about preventing re-entry. When it comes to the emotional part of a human being, this is so important. Oftentimes, we don't recognize these voices. There are many voices in the world, the Bible says. And we don't recognize the voice of the wicked one speaking into our ears. I said this morning, a fellow was walking down the street and another minister was praying about his particular condition and saw him walking down the street in the spirit, like in a mini vision. And in that vision, he saw these imps, these demon-like spirits just land on his shoulder. And there were three of them. One would say, light up a cigarette. And then the fellow, he would see him light up a cigarette. The next one would say, cuss. Right there walking, he just starts spewing out foul language. The other one said, walk into that bar and go get yourself a drink. And he found himself walking into the bar. Now, all this is from without. Can you see that? From without. But from without, these voices are influencing this man to do specific things. And I'll tell you what, if that's all the person gives, the, the devil will take that much. And as long as he can find expression through that person's life that way, he'll continue to do it. Because they want to express themselves in this realm of life. Well, we've got to be aware of their tactics and how they operate and recognize the need to do something about their activity. And every child of God, I said this morning, should get a hold of Brother Hagin's book called The Authority of the Believer. Now it's called The Believer's Authority. And learn more about their personal authority over devils and demon powers and exercise it with great faith. It's a definite need in the body of Christ today. So we have got to fill our lives with good things. Even after you've been prayed for and healing comes, we have got to then continue to get back into the Word of God and fill ourselves up with more and more of the Word of God along that line. Sometimes people think that once deliverance comes, it's the end of it all. No, it's not. I know you're healed and I know you're free, but that is not the end. In the natural, in the physical, you feel great and all that. But still, don't be deluded and don't think that's all I've got to do. You want to immediately continue to fill yourself with the good treasures of God's Word. With the authority that God has given you and continue to build on that so that you recognize whenever that counterattack comes, whether it's the thought the voice that tells us whatever, and rebuke it in Jesus' name. 
See, beloved, when it comes to the emotional part of a person, there's where the battleground is. It's in the thought life. And we have got to learn to cast down thoughts and imaginations that come against our minds, that exalt themselves against God's knowledge and bring into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. And to be frank about it, if you know it is the enemy speaking to your mind, telling you all kinds of crazy things and, and, and you know, specific things about yourself, if you're aware enough, all you've got to do is just know that everything he says is a lie. You take the opposite approach. If he tells you that your life isn't worth anything, say, thank God my life is worth a whole lot because you said it's worth nothing and you're a liar. So it must be very valuable and precious. What about this one? Nobody really cares about you. No one's concerned about your well-being. Well, thank you again for more revelation and for more nuggets of truth. I guess people must care about me because you said they don't. And you're a big liar. Therefore, they do. But you know how easy it is for the human makeup and emotion just to say, well, I guess I'm not anything, you know, worth anything and nobody cares about me and all that. Can you see all this? And if we're not careful once again, then the emotional realm is a very sensitive realm and our emotions will be dominated by demon forces. Thank God for everything that man can do, but beloved, man can't do enough. There, that's something else we've got to get a hold of and just really let it burn in our hearts. Man cannot do enough. No matter what man can do, we thank God for what he can do, but he can't do enough. There's no surgical procedure that's going to cut out that spirit of infirmity that was in that woman with rheumatoid arthritis. Can you see that? We talked about the other girl this morning with lung cancer, and in the spirit it was seen that there was a demon spirit, an imp, hanging from her lung. No matter if, the, if she would have had an operation or whatever, you can't cut a devil out of a, of a person's life, out of a person's body. The devil would just go over to the other lung. The devil would just go somewhere else in, in, in the body and enforce that disease in, in that person's body. And so it's not cutting it out that's going to, to remedy the situation. When the devil was cast out, it fell from her body like a, a, a whip puppy dog and just took off because it was told to leave the premises and the girl came back to health. It wasn't an instantaneous manifestation, but the cancer was gone. And then, of course, she regained her strength as she ate and, you know, waxed strong physically and emotionally. But the thing is, that girl was not going to have help in her life through any surgical procedure. Men cannot do enough. Man has no ability in himself to deal with demon powers that are enforcing disease in people's bodies. And so we've got to learn that. Now, we also said that demons recognize those that have power over them. And I want you to see that in Acts 19. We didn't get a chance to look at it. We just gave you the scripture. Look at Acts 19. In verse 13. There, then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, this is 19, chapter of Acts, verse 14, a Jew and chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are ye? Uh-oh. I bet you they began to sweat right there. Who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. I guess the devil didn't like that. 
Why? Because he didn't want to give up. He didn't want to surrender his place of occupancy. But you see, beloved, he knew Jesus and he knew Paul. And he knows those that know their authority through Jesus Christ. And that's why every one of us needs to study about the authority of the believer and learn about our authority so that we can exercise that power over these demon forces and put up a neon sign that says no occupancy in my body and no occupancy in my soul. No place. Does not the Bible say in Ephesians 4 and 27, give no place to the devil? Give no territory to the devil? Well, how do we give place to the devil? Sometimes people think, well, you know, the only way you can give place to the devil is if you somehow get his phone number. Call him up some evening and invite him over for supper. Right? It says give no place to the devil, right? Well, in other words, in our minds, what do we think giving place to the devil is? Inviting him over for supper? Having him sit around and, uh, you know, bad talk us and all that sort of thing? No. Giving place to the devil is listening to his thoughts. Giving place to the devil is not recognizing his activity in our lives. Falling right into his hands. Falling victim to his subtle tactics. Can you see that? Adam and Eve did that from the very beginning. Just by accepting the idea that God was holding back something. See? And just by that thought, they couldn't live with that thought. They couldn't bear to think that God was holding back something. You know, let's put it in, some, in simple terms. If God gave them a million things and there was still one more thing to have, shouldn't they be satisfied with the million and just forget about the one thing that God said they couldn't have? But that wasn't good enough. You see what human nature is like? That one thought that says there might be something more that God's holding back drove them to rebellion. That's something. One thought. One thought. That God's holding back on you. And so if He did that to them, then how much more is He going to try through subtle, His subtlety to get a hold of our minds and inject all kinds of craziness in our minds to get us to think the wrong way? See? And we're not to accept that. We are to get to the place where you can write right here, write your name. Write your name in verse 15. Jesus I know. Paul I know, and Bill I know. Does he know you? Does he know you? If you're a blood-washed child of God and you know your authority, and he knows your name, he knows who you are. And when you say no, no occupancy, devil, he has to bow his knee because you know your authority as a believer. Also, Acts 10, 38 was another verse we gave. Uh, let's look at it now. We said that demons are directly or indirectly behind all disease in the world today. Now, we said both directly and indirectly behind all disease in the world today. In verse 38, we read, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about making people sick so that God would be glorified in them. It says, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. 
All that were oppressed with sickness and disease were oppressed of the devil. So sickness and disease is satanic oppression, according to the Word of God, right? Okay, well, if that's true and it is according to God's Word, then demons and demon powers are directly or indirectly behind all sickness and disease. Directly meaning, like the woman that was bowed over those 18 years with the spirit of infirmity. There was a spirit causing that disease in her life. Was there not? There was. And so that devil was the direct cause, direct cause in that woman's life. Now, indirectly, we've got to go all the way back to the very beginning. And in the very beginning, when Adam fell, we recognize that every disease has a life. A place of origin. A germ that causes it to function. Bacteria. Whatever. How many of you believe that God has bacteria? He has germs. See, He doesn't have any of that. That was a direct result of the fault. And the life behind the disease is evil. God has no sickness. God is not sick. And He makes no one sick. Now, there's a difference between God having sickness and making people sick and God permitting people to get sick. That's a different ball game. Permitting people to get sick, all God has to do is to remove His hand of protection. And you know, you go back to the story of Job. He was protected, hedged in, protected by God. And what happened? You know the story. The devil went to God and said, look, and blah, 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 he's protected and you've protected him and he can't, I can't do anything to him. If you really know the story, you'll find out that Job began to operate in fear. And as a result of operating in fear, there was a breach in the hedge of protection. Not caused by God, but fear. As a result of that fear, what happened? Did God make Job sick? No, the Bible clearly states that Satan did. Satan made Job sick. As a result of, let's say, a, a breach in the wall of prayer or faith. So in other words, there was, an, there was access into his life, but it wasn't God given access. It was through fear. He's, he himself said, the fear that I greatly feared came upon me. And all of a sudden, all these sicknesses and all these diseases and these calamities come into Job's life. And so, once again, we understand that the door is open, but not by God. God did not make Adam that way. God made Adam in perfect health, a perfect specimen of a human being. And he got his strength in life from God's life. And that's why he would have lived forever without any, ever experiencing any sickness or disease in his life. For sickness and disease is nothing more than incipient death. But there was no death to be found in him. But he opened up the door to the kingdom of darkness and all of a sudden, he experienced a new form of life. And now the very air that he breathes is filled with bacteria and germs of sickness and disease that do not originate with God, but with the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of Satan. And so here we see a, a, a very important truth. The power behind sickness and disease is satanic. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. All, for God was with him. And so whether it's directly or indirectly, it all goes back to that thought. And we have got to, as children of God, recognize it. 
Now, not in all cases, it's not a demon spirit that's present there enforcing a disease. So it's not directly, but indirectly, it's a result of the fall. And therefore, once again, it's the power behind it all. And so we've got to recognize that and then we've got to use our authority and, and deal with it. Now, I want you to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel once again. And, and let's take a look at some physical things that are mentioned in the Bible with regard to sickness or disease or whatever. Any physical, you know, infirmity or impairment. And, and let's see what the Bible says about it in Matthew chapter 12. And uh, let's take a look at verse 22. Then was brought unto him, that is Jesus, one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. He couldn't see or speak. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. Now, I want you to notice that when the devil was dealt with, a person who could not see and could not speak suddenly could see and could speak. Now, in the natural, you can understand, some people might think, you're crazy. And I can understand from a medical uh, field perspective, you know, dealing with those particular types of things in the natural. You can't see a demon. You can't see an evil spirit. But once again, the Word of God makes it very clear that when Jesus dealt with the devil that was behind a specific disease, the person was no longer sick. And so this person was no longer blind. And neither was he any longer dumb. But the remedy was not a surgical procedure. The remedy was not a particular medication. The remedy was dealing with the cause, the root cause of the problem, which in this case happened to be a demon spirit. In the natural, when you see that, see, it's hard to relate to that. Because you can't see that particular spirit. Uh, let's look at another verse in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. And verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Now here's a man who had a demonic influence in his life possessed by a devil. And as a result was dumb and deaf. And if you back up and actually read the whole thing, you can find out that this, you will find out that this spirit caused a lot of problems in this man's life. I venture to say that there are many spirits in the world today that are causing a lot of problems in people's lives. As a matter of fact, not only are people blind, deaf, dumb, as the Bible says here, but also I believe there are those that in some cases, can be driven to commit suicide because of the spirit that's behind 
that kind of an activity. There are those that are on the verge of emotional breakdowns because of a spirit that may not be within the soul, but from without, trying to reach that person's thought patterns in order to wear them down emotionally to where they get to the place where they can finally overcome them and then drive them to do things that are wrong. We have got to understand these principles and the operation of these demon powers so that we can learn how to deal with them and get free from their influences. But here, once again, we have biblical evidence and proof that demon spirits are behind even people being deaf, blind, dumb, and in other cases, lunacy and all kinds of emotional difficulties. Look at Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. In verse 23, it says, And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Now here was a man who was displaying characteristics of uncleanness. And there are many manifestations of that spirit in people's lives. Uh, it can lead people into any kind of sexual immorality uh, and all sorts of sexual immorality. They can manifest a rebellious attitude in spirit, an uncleanness even in, you know, with their own particular body, where they don't you know, take care of themselves. You know, no hygiene and that sort of thing. I mean, unclean spirits can dominate a person's thought patterns and a, that per, a person's mind. And to cause he or she, man, whether it's man or woman, doesn't really matter. To think like they shouldn't think and to act like they shouldn't act. But the whole thought is this. These particular powers want to have expression. And you will notice when they finally influence a person's life to whatever degree, they will manifest themselves through that person's life in that manner. And that person can be distraught emotionally. That person will manifest uncleanness about them. They'll take on the characteristics of that particular spirit. And also, it can cause, and this is a, a big cause, of head problems. Migraine headaches and things like that. It can lead people into all kinds of different lusts. Because, you see, they're never satisfied. As a matter of fact, it can, it can lead a, a person into drinking alcohol excessively to where they can become alcoholic as a result of this particular spirit in that person's life. Some people can be given over to anger as a result of that manifestation of a spirit in that person's life. It can control their thought patterns. It can control the mind. Now, it's in degree. 
But you know what? The more it's allowed to have place in a person's life, the more it can also cause physical damage. Physical damage can also be the result of their activities. And so once again, Jesus did not perform a surgical procedure. Jesus did not recommend any type of medication for that condition. He recognized what was behind the situation, the root cause, and He dealt with that root cause and He cast it out. As a result, people with these conditions were made free everywhere. As a matter of fact, multitudes of people were delivered and set free when Jesus dealt with demon activity. And again, I refer to Acts 10.38. All that were oppressed of the devil were made free by Jesus. In that wonderful text, let's look at that wonderful text in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16 and 17. Look at the connection once again between sickness and disease and demon activity or the presence of devils or demons. Again, what I want to emphasize, beloved, is that in some cases people are really trying and they should try to get help any way they possibly can. But they're trying to get help. But in some cases, the help's not going to come in the natural. In other words, there's never going to be a medication powerful enough and there's never going to be a surgical procedure that's going to be able to cut out a demon. And if it is the manifestation of a spirit behind the problem in a person's life, whether it could be pain in the body. You know, there can be pain in the body that can be caused by a demonic influence. I'll tell you something else. My son Jason suddenly took sick one night and he had a fever. He went from being perfectly fine to burning up with fever one night. And you know, when you're dealing with these particular things, sometimes you just pray the prayer of faith. And that's exactly what I intended to do. But when I went into the praying for him, I was stopped in my tracks by the Spirit of God and I was told just to speak to the thing that had caused this and I said to come out and loose him and let him go. And he went from having a fever like you can fry an egg on his forehead and breathing real hard to instantaneously being cold, cool, perfect, normal. And I saw like a black-like figure, looked like a bird-like figure, fly off of his head and out the window. It was an instant manifestation of a healing that took place. But what I'm saying is, beloved... The cause had to be dealt with at that particular time. And I really believe in a lot of cases when there's instant manifestations, there can be demon activity behind it. And I know in today's society, a lot of people just want to turn their backs on this and just say, well, we live in the 1990s. Well, where do we think all the devils are? In the ghetto somewhere, just all grouped up together and put somewhere where, you know, they don't associate with other people? Mm-mm. They're everywhere. Everywhere. They're not in some isolated corner of the world somewhere or of the city. They're everywhere and we have got to recognize them and deal with them. They can drive us to do all kinds of things if we listen to them. And we need not do it. That's why we've got to know the voice of God and distinguish what is of God and what is not of God. In, in Matthew 8, verse 16, When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. Now notice, And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Can you see that? 
Now, beloved, if there is the presence of the demon influence trying to dominate our thinking patterns, our thoughts, and our minds, unless we learn how to, through the word of faith, stand against these particular influences, they will continue to dominate our thinking faculties. And a reason why many don't recover emotionally is because they've not been taught how to deal with the devil. You know what, beloved? I, I say this with all respect. I want you to understand that. But I really believe that people that find themselves in mental institutions have never been taught how to deal with the devil. And let's face it. There are many situations we encounter in this life that can drive anybody over the brink. There are many things we encounter in this life that put so much pressure on the human mind that people could be overcome emotionally unless they know how to deal with it. There are those that lose their minds over the death of a loved one. I've seen it happen. Couldn't handle certain things such as the breakup of a a relationship. How many people have been driven, you know, to do something drastic because a relationship of theirs broke up? Couldn't handle that kind of pressure or rejection. I want you to know that the enemy will play on those kind of opportunities. He will see to it that he uses all those kinds of opportunities to push a person to the limit. And unless we are taught well enough of the Lord, we won't have any ammunition or weapons for defense. Many have not been taught. And as a result, are suffering. I remember a situation where an individual was brought out by family members out of a mental institution and taken to one of Brother Hagen's meetings and was sat down in the pew. Now, here's a person who was told, the family was told this person would never leave the institution. They'd be institutionalized for the rest of their lives with emotional, mental disorders. But sitting under the teaching of the Word of God that person just listened and heard the truth being spoken. And over a period of time, from hearing the truth of God's Word, that person was delivered and set free. Became an outstanding citizen. Went into business. And was able to handle the pressures of a corporation. Can you imagine that? Isn't that amazing? But why? Because someone cared enough to give them the Word of God. It takes the Word of God. And so he cast out the Spirit with his Word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And so here, once again, we have the Word of God that affirms that many are sick and hurting because of demonic influences enforcing disease in people's bodies. And beloved, God wants us to recognize the enemy at work. He wants us to develop a, 
a, a, a fire, an adamant attitude against this. He wants us to get to a place to where we cannot tolerate this kind of activity. And that we refuse to give place to it and its operation in our lives. He wants us to rise up like Jesus did and take a stand against these things that are from the kingdom of darkness. As a matter of fact, God's Word teaches us that the only way we're going to get what belongs to us is by force. The violent have got to take it by force. And we cannot fool around with the devil because he is not willing to surrender his place of occupancy in people's lives. Chronic conditions very well can be the presence of a demonic influence in a person's life. Whether it be in their physical body or even in their emotions. A chronic condition. And you see, beloved, once again, we must be taught of the Lord how to resist these things. And if we will, then we will be successful. And the enemy will be put beneath our feet like he needs to be. Now, there are many other reasons. I had actually 13 altogether. We just got through a few. And we have a whole lot more. But I want to close with this, this one I think that will be helpful to all of us. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6, we are told, But he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Another reason why we oftentimes fail to receive healing from the Lord is a lack of diligence. And diligence really means persevering application. stick to Sticking to it. In other words, getting a hold of God, getting a hold of the principles of God, and then remaining diligent, persevering, and never changing in what you are attempting to experience in God. In other words, it says, no, I'm getting a hold of God and I'm not letting go. No matter what the setback is or was, no matter what took place yesterday, you rise up with a new vigor and a new strength day by day and you say continuously, God said it in His Word, it belongs to me and therefore I am not going to quit. I know that it works. If I have got to get before God, on my knees, on my face, and open up my life to Him and say, Holy Ghost, show me what I need to do. Teach me what I need to know. I open myself to You. I make myself available to You. I am in this thing to the end. I am not giving up. I am not backing off. I'm not satisfied. I know when you put two wires together, you're supposed to get some results. And I'm not seeing any results. And I know there's nothing wrong with the powerhouse. I know there's nothing wrong with your ability or strength or power. I know if there's any problem, it has got to be on the human side. And therefore, I need to know what to do to make an adjustment in my own life. And I'm looking to you for answers. And the Bible says, it's when we seek Him with our whole heart that we will find Him. Amen? And you see, we must be diligent. 
Oftentimes we limit God because we're not diligent enough to pursue these things with a holy fervor and with a bulldog tenacity that absolutely positively refuses to give in to defeat. And that is another reason why very often many do not receive. Oh, if you ever hear somebody tell you when you say, you know that you can be saved, and they say, I want to so bad, but, but somehow I just can't seem to make that decision, that person's influenced by a demon. I remember a situation where we were in church, and uh, I, had, I was just about to close the service. We had a prayer at the end, and as I was praying, these words came inside my spirit saying, I want you to take authority over the spirit of fear. And so I just blurted out, spirit of fear that's holding this person in bondage, I take authority over you in Jesus' name. You loosen and, and let this person go free. Next thing I knew, someone came to the altar. I didn't find this out until a, a long time later, but that the person was being held back by a demon influence who wanted to answer the altar call, but could not make it to the altar because this unseen force was, was more or less holding that person to the pew and this person could not get free. But once those words went out, the, person had to, the, the Spirit had to loose its hold and the person came and got saved. Beloved, the same thing is true in many cases of sickness and disease. I'm going to go a step further. The same thing is true when it comes to a lack of diligence. There are demon forces arrayed against us that want to hold us back and keep us and prevent us from entering into the best that God has for us. And they plan their strategy and do, will do anything they can to interfere with the work of God. And the only way to overcome their powers is through diligence. Being diligent. Using the name of Jesus and being steadfast and persevering in your faith. We have got to be more diligent and more persistent. Persistent application of the Word of God. Knowing that it works and we refuse to give in to defeat. No one who is defeated unless they refuse to get up and continue on with God. I believe that. doesn't matter how many setbacks you've had. You're only defeated when you refuse to get up and march on with God. No matter how many times you've been knocked down. Remember, be like a George Foreman. The 11th round's coming. Amen? I mean, the man lost every round. But all it took was one blow, didn't it? Can you say amen? amen? So it doesn't matter how many rounds we've lost along the way. You get a hold of the Word of God, it only takes one blow. Use that Word of God. Can you say amen? And be diligent in doing so. Hallelujah. Praisers and musicians, if you would come at this time, please. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you 
as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.